Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage derived from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, but especially equipping for those who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm Discipleship Pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is Jonathan Morgan. Jonathan's been on a couple times before. He's a dear friend and a a colleague. He teaches uh, theology at the college here where I serve. And I thought he would be a wonderful guest for Psalm 139 because of his theological insight and the the sort of dripping from the page, obvious theological implications of Psalm 139. Although, as you'll discover, he had a a real deep personal connection to this psalm as well. And so he ended up being an even more fitting guest than I imagined. So I was so grateful that he spent some time with us talking about Psalm 139. So that is our text for today, Psalm 139. As you're listening to the show, if you find yourself enjoying it, be a great favor to us if you press the share button on your podcast player app of choice and just pass that show along to others so that they may enjoy it as well. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and you'll see ways to support the show there. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Jonathan. Let's do this. So, would you be willing to read the passage in whatever translation you like? Sure, I got the ESV. Great. So, I don't. Know, what do you have? I have uh, Robert Alters here and okay. six others as right. needed. In so, the Hebrew, I see over here. Yeah. yeah. All right. In case perfect. we need it. Okay. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? 
I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your reality, for your presence, for your wisdom. And may we, as we explore this psalm, uh, be guided by that same spirit of wisdom that was at work in the, the penning of these poetic words. And may all our listeners be granted a share of your wisdom as well to be attuned to your all presence, your omnipresence, and attuned to our limitedness, our smallness in the face of your greatness. Can't help but think of the words from the end of Romans 11. Oh, the depths of the wisdom of God. So Lord, attune us to what we can know and grant us the humility and wisdom to recognize our limits of knowing. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sorry to cheated and slipped in some psalm interpretation into my prayer, but I, I mean, it. that's kind of, that's inevitable, that's right? The way prayer we is already it. theology. That's, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so what do you notice here? What stands out to you in, in Psalm 139? <clears throat> what, what stands out? Here? There's so much here. I remember reading this psalm, I think when I was in junior high, and that was when I was really getting serious about my faith in God. I'd really, really come to know him as an eighth grader. And I think it was around that time when I was reading through Psalms, and I read this one. And I don't remember a psalm standing out to me and affecting me so much as this one. Mm. I think in part because using these words for my own, I've, I, I felt so known and loved by God. You know, the, it, it just that, that, that intimacy of knowing and that union that, that stood out to me. And so I've, I really loved so much of it. And then I think at the very end, of course, I think is that growing up in the holiness tradition, that call to surrender, see if there be any grievous way and lead me in the way of everlasting so that all my my most inward parts that are known by god if any of them be grievous or wayward somehow god knows about it and can bring me into the way everlasting he can reorient my path so i don't know that i articulated it like that when i was 14 but i remember <laughs> probably not, <laughs> probably not. But i remember being really i remember telling my mom mom this this psalm 139 it's just so wonderful and so beautiful in the so this um, is an important psalm in your development, which I... It really is. I'm not faking. This is not an act, listeners. I actually didn't know that. I just... You didn't. I just was like, oh, this got a lot of cool theology. I bet Jonathan will like this. this well, one. it was interesting because, yeah, we said, I said earlier, you, you texted me and thought, this is kind of fitting for you. And I understood because there's a lot of theology here. But in my own young spiritual development, this psalm was probably my favorite. Wow. And just the way God's, God used the word. Well, I was a prophet unawares. You were indeed. <laughs> song to your soul. The Spirit has spoken yeah, through you. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I really didn't. Yeah. But, I, but wow. I, think, I think I found it. I think I probably just found it profoundly comforting. Hmm. Anywhere that I go, God knows where I'm at. You know, the, the darkness is as light to you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I just felt just, that, again, that sense that God desires that intimacy with me. And you can be told that by youth pastors, or Sunday school teachers, but to just read these words for myself at a point in my, in my life where I was finally sort of tuned in to what God, who he was and his plan for me was very special. Wow. Man, it goes to show 
the different orientation of my life in junior high because I remember encountering this psalm. It's probably high school. Mm. But I remember experiencing this psalm, feeling known and feeling threatened by that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, not comforting to everybody. Yeah. Kind well, of, I mean, kind of I based on where you know, you're at with your walk. Yeah, yeah I didn't. You know, I accepted Christ into my life, you know, at a, at a camp in, mm. in between fifth and sixth grade. Then moved right after, and moving's always stressful, as you know. Yes. Uh, and not that I blame it on that, but that was a that was a major stressor. And then over time, just yeah, definitely was very wayward mm. from God. I was I was the kid that the parents were like praying, you know, that this kid would come back, you know. And yeah. I mean, part of why I love this place where I work is this was the place where I I turned back, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just coming here because it was like, well, my parents work here, so yeah. free, so I'll just go there and cute girls or whatever, you know, like I was just not. And then through the influence of some key people in those first couple of years, I mean, yeah, I just, something mm. turned around. Yeah. So even after that though, it was, this Psalm was troubling for me, especially that hem, hem you in on every side. Yeah. That was a threatening, like the God, God's omnipresence is comforting when the heart is attuned to the love of God. Yeah. When one is not, yeah. it strikes uh <laughs> A different kind of fear of the Absolutely. Lord. Absolutely. <laughs> it can be comforting or, or terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. But the idea of being hemmed in, sometimes that makes us feel uncomfortable because it sounds like we're, we're, we're trapped somehow, like suffocated somehow. And I think maybe there's, there's, there's something in that language that sometimes strrikes us as, I don't know, intrusive. But, yeah, you know what I mean. But God has access said, to our uh, private spaces. Yes, that which is all set up for that final line. Absolutely. Yes, which side yes. note is the only petition, strictly speaking, because even the the imprecations in nineteen through twenty two right. are more of a wish. Yeah. Like, would it, may this would, be? Yeah, may yeah. this be the case. Yeah. yeah. So there's only one petition in this. If it's yeah. a prayer, the whole first eighteen verses are almost kind of almost like a dream, a, a meditation. Yeah. 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 Worship. I say dream because it lines, it, it finishes with I awake and I'm still with you. Yeah. Kind of, this almost like, yeah, that's right. I was waking up from this, this pondering of what yeah. can't be pondered. I've come around on this song. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorites now, but yeah. I mean, uh, because that you lay your hand on me, mm-hmm. I feel that gentle touch, but there was a time in my life when I heard that you lay your hand on me and it's like a heavy hand. Yeah. It's the hand of like, of a, of a kind of threat Yeah, or, at best, the kind of protection, right. but a protection that can feel like control, sure. which I'm sure are just all my daddy issues or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's like, I'm sure it's got nothing to do with, with the true character of God as, sure. as has been unveiled the more I enter into this psalm. But mm-hmm. let's take a quick break and come back and explore that a little more. Sure. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Here with my guest, Jonathan Morgan. Great to have you back on the show. It's been too long. It has been too long. I was um, wondering. You that's know, on me. It's not like me anymore. I so. love having you on. No, <laughs> just, it's just, you know. I'm kidding. Time, I'm kidding. Time flies, you know. Looking at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Can we just kind of starting in that very personal way, which is, I think, the right way to read this psalm. Hmm. Let's zoom out a little, though, if you're willing, and just talk a little bit about the omnis, the omnis of God, yes. right? Because, I mean, if, if, you ha- if you were to like... Again, Psalms aren't primarily engaged in teaching. They're not Torah, they're Teloim or however you say that. Mm -hmm. They're praises to God. But nevertheless, there's implicit teaching and doctrine here. And you are a teacher of Christian doctrine. So I imagine you might have a thought a little. I don't know. I mean, if you were to pick a Psalm to like 
say, here's the omnipresence of God, which of course the Old Testament doesn't tend to focus on. It tends to focus mm-hmm. on the special places where God is present. Yeah. Particular revelations. and pr- Right. Whereas this places. really yeah. presses the other end. The, there's no place I can go. Yeah. But then also the omniscience of God mm. and also how those are somehow kind of linked in a certain way. So mm. I don't know. That's just an open question. Wax yeah. eloquently on the omnis of God. Uh, I don't know that I, can, I can't wax eloquently on pretty much anything. No, but this is definitely one of those Psalms where, as you had noted before, it is sort of that goldmine for theologians to say, see, the omnis of God, the classical doctrines of God. This is a great example of a text where that's fleshed out. Although I would at the same time recognize, as you mentioned, that these these psalms being doxological, being very worshipful, the language, of course, isn't supposed to be precise in the way that maybe Paul is trying to be precise in like Romans. Yeah, There's hyperbole, there's exaggerated speech. So because it's poetry, I think you always have yeah, to even take darkness that into consideration. Is, is a light to you. That's which right. I, on the surface, might sound like a contradiction of say John one. Yeah, God is yeah. light in him. There's no so darkness. So he is at all. darkness. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's to misunderstand the difference of genre. Absolutely. Not that John is correct in Psalms is just winging it. It's sure. just it's capturing something different. Yes. Expressing something different. Yeah, and I think those the, the way that the Psalms can express things sometimes. It's not that they're they're not true, of course, but sometimes I think the tendency might be to try to make them too precise. Okay, when they're not yeah. being so, that's not to deny the let's say the omnipresence of God, where I can't go from your spirit, where I can't leave your your presence, and and then you you take all of these different you know places, locations, heaven, Sheol. I think the psalmist is in awe. I think he's in this state of wonder, almost that dreamy experience that you were saying earlier, yeah. going back to verse eighteen, where I don't know that he he doesn't have, and he says he doesn't have the language. To right. precisely describe the wonders of God's presence, the wonders of not being able to escape God, which is a good thing. The idea that even if I try to hide in darkness, well, even there, the darkness is as light to you. You see everything. And so while I think that the the omnipresence of God is, is clearly here, I think it's the way that it's put is, from what I draw from it, is to affirm the omnipresence of God, but the language isn't technical language to describe all of the ways in which that's possible and the metaphysics of it all. It's just that it is so, and he is in awe of the fact that it is so. That's one of the omnis. And now you were talking and about- it's not just a failure of imprecision. It's rather a recognition no, of the impossibility like, of I can't imprecision. do this. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah it, it's, <laughs> exactly. Well, he, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for, to, for yes. me. It is high. I, I cannot attain it. So he knows it's real, but he knows that he can't do that truth justice in his speech. And I think that's, that's instructive for us, all Christians, but I think those of us who teach in theology, to remember that we can speak confidently, but always humbly, because there's things that God has revealed to us that we can know, but there's a whole lot that we don't know. And even the things we do know, we don't, we don't know perfectly. So I think yeah. that the humility in our speech is instructive here from verse 6. Yeah, it's, it's a really, you really see the... So I'm going to introduce some technical language now because, you know, you're here. <laughs> Why not? The, what are referred to as the cataphatic and the apophatic yeah. or the via positiva, the via negativa, or more correctly, the, the via eminencia mm. and the via negativa. Mm-hmm. So the way of negation, what we don't know tells us here is what we know God isn't. Yes. 
and then the way of imminence, the here's what we know, God is the perfection and greatness of things, yeah. or cataphatic, apophatic. And the technical terms are less important than saying, I know, at least in the modern period, I've come to have a personal uh, pet peeve that you might share, or if you don't, then we can have a little debate. A pet peeve with like, well, which one are you more? Uh-huh. As if but here it's two sides of the same coin. Right. It's like yeah. the very thing we know about God tells us that how little we know. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like the claim of God's both his wisdom and his presence. Those would be the less sort of metaphysical terms I would use mm-hmm. wisdom of God, the presence of God that these are, they have a, and then this is a metaphysical term that there's an infinity about them. Yeah. And the language here is the language of infinity. I can't count them, right? I mean, this right. is yeah. straight up. He's not using that Greek word, but the concept is is work mm-hmm. is operative here of, yeah. of of an uncountableness. Yeah. To know God is to know that I'm in over my head and don't really know. Yes. But that doesn't mean I stop knowing and do something else. That's it means right. that's the kind of knowing that knowing God is. Yes. Is, am I and it's too a, and weird? I think, or? No, that's okay. perfect. Okay. And okay. it's a and it's and I think what we see here is that's. That, that's a joyful pursuit, you know, of, oh. of continuing on in the knowing and the unknowing. That's, I think, that the tone here that I'm getting in verses 1 through through 18. Yeah, um, where, where do you see the joy? I believe you. I want to see it. I'm still probably working through my issues. So help, help us see, <laughs> in case any of our listeners still feel any lingering, if not threat, at least fear in this description. I think you're right. I, my heart says you're right. <laughs> Well, then if, I, if your heart says it, then that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, you're right. Have we met? <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, you know, I, here's, what, here's why I think that. Again, part of it is my own personal history with this psalm. Maybe I had read it before, but, but I remember that time when I was finally in, in a right relationship with God, right in tune, and I read these as, again, comforting, but but something to, to celebrate, to be joyful about. But I think when in at the end of all this doxology in verses 17 through 18, how precious to me are your mm. thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. That to me sounds like not someone who's afraid and unsure, but someone like who's, yeah, yeah, someone who's, it's like this dream, wow, more than I could understand. It blows my mind. How vast are your thoughts? And I, I'm awake and I'm, oh, you're still here. You know? Well, notice it's, I am still with you. And I am still with you. That's right. So That's despite good. all the, perhaps I could interpret this as a threat, but I'm still here with you. Very Just good. as you're with me. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, in proportion, most yes. of the verbs for no are speaking of God, but there's yeah. a handful. I mean, even verse 14, uh, you know, I acclaim you or thank you. Mm. For I am fearsomely, I am set apart. So that's also a link of there's a kind of election of the person here. Mm. So there's this is not, not this is not just generic creation language. This is covenantal language, right? Mm. And wondrous are your acts, and my being, my throat deeply knows it, mm. right? Or mm-hmm. my soul. I don't. I don't know how ESV went with it. I don't have my ESV out, but in the in 16? my soul, yeah. So nefesh throat. Yeah, in 14, soul, 14. Yeah. Soul, yeah. yeah, that's soul. Yeah. But so I, that's that knowing. There's a confident knowing yeah. that God is is with me, yeah. that then is inviting me to be with him in return. Yes. So though we are not, though we do not participate in God's omnipotence and omnipresence right. and om, omniscience, yeah. we do get a, a portion, a sharing in his wisdom mm-hmm. and in his presence. We're invited to be present in return. Yes. 
Yeah. And, and there, again, I think when you end with 17 and 18, to me, it is it's kind of the sentiment also, I think, is captured. I think it was it may have been Athanasius. Well, maybe it wasn't. Now I can't remember. But the, the, somebody, the, some, some great man once said, a great man once said, <laughs> a great man once said at, at a certain point, the seraphim spread their wings and cover the mystery and you bow uh, in worship, you know, yeah. something along those lines where I can't conceive cognitively know anymore. I can't say anything else. I've come to the end of words and the end of thoughts. God's mystery, God's goodness, God's power, all the omnis are too wonderful for me. My only response is to worship in the goodness and greatness that God is. So I don't know. I find that to be in some ways freeing in, I, I think, something that inspires joy. So that's that's why I said earlier, I think that the, the tone does connote some joyfulness here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the turn, which we should acknowledge. Yeah. 19, 1922. Yeah. The imprecations. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, it fits in. You know, you know, you know all their hearts. Yeah. Just like you know mine, you know theirs. Yeah. Yeah. So you know who's really wicked and who's not. So yeah. make this world right. Yes. You know? and, and, it, and he. But in accordance with your wisdom. So it's not just an arbitrary justice or a, a kind of arbitrary domination by God. Yes. But rather in accordance with your wisdom. Yes. And your omnipresence. So all the injustice in the world is on your watch, Lord. So I bring these things to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that he's not out for vengeance for what these people have done to him. It's more for the fact that they're oh, you're they're right. wicked. They, they're Sometimes the Psalms are doing that. It's like, hey, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. David, yeah. <laughs> you know, my enemies, yeah. God. But you're right. Here, it's implied that because they're your enemies, they're also mine. Because they're your yeah. enemies, because they speak against you with oh. malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. So he's already, dude. I never noticed that. Yeah. So in, in the first eighteen verses, it's. How wonderful you are. Oh, God, you know everything. Da, da, da. And I'm, I awake. I'm still with you. And I think that there's all this beauty here. And then that same God that I've just, you know, exalted in is being reviled by these people, you know? That's so, why I like where the wake lands because it's, I wake up and yes. look around and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> why are we acting this way if this is true? Right? If this yeah. is true, this is who God is. Yeah. Then. Those who would act in such a way that you said, as God knows their hearts too, and that you would revile against this God, well, then I'm your enemy, not because of what you've done to me, but because you're God's enemy. And so I, to me, that's that's a little bit of a different imprecation here than some of the other Psalms that you find. Yeah, not to invalidate the others, although we have a little bit in 40, talking about imprecations now. Psalm 40? Yeah, mm-hmm. 140. Oh, 140. And a little in 143. Yep. Maybe a little bit in 44, and then from 45 on, no more imprecations. Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting near the end. If this isn't the final word, it's located with the mm. the collective final word on imprecations. So, yeah. in some ways, this can maybe help us, you know, interpret those others. And it is one of my favorites because it's combined with that search me. It's almost as if, mm. like, he's... Heaping curses on these other people is like, uh, but insofar as it applies to me, please root that out. Yeah. I don't want to be counted among them. I don't see it, but maybe I'm missing something in me. It's a special kind of confession of a kind of sin of, you know, a sin of unawareness or of a, you know, a sin that's deeper than my immediate consciousness. What you're, yeah. Yeah. Like what you said, outside of my immediate consciousness, that God himself knows has, has already been established. But that he himself, the worshiper, the prayer does not. And I think it's, you know, I mean, we see 
prayers in the New Testament and, you know, forgive us our trespasses. We, you know, that there are ways in which it's appropriate, I think, to pray for even hidden. Well, he does this in Psalm 19, you know? Yeah. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults and keep me from willful sins. So that, keep me from the things that I do willingly and forgive me for the things that I don't even know about. And oh, so, that's see, a great parallel. so see if there's any grievous way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. So I love, I love too how, I mentioned this really at the beginning, how God can point out that grievous way that the, the psalmist may be unaware of, God knows about, but it's not just, okay, well, you see it, you know, I, that's too bad about me. No, but lead me in the way mm-hmm. everlasting. I think there's, there's that almost sort of that salvific intent here to not just point something out, not just see it, and not just but confession do, as an end in itself. Just, that's right. I confess. Oh, yeah, that's or even bad. just to forgive it, but transform but it. But to transform. Turn it. Yeah. yeah. A grievous way that's no longer a grievous way. A, you know, a way of thinking, a, a pattern, a habit, an affection, whatever it may be, it's left ambiguous, but God can bring that into the way everlasting. That's so good, man. Hey, well, that's great. Let's take a quick break and explore some sermon starters. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my uh, guest, Jonathan Morgan. So great to have you back on the show. He's been on a couple times, but it's been too long. And we've been looking at Psalm 139. So in our last 10 minutes or so here, let's explore some sermon starters. If you were assigned to this text and were invited to uh, to preach somewhere where this text had already been selected, where, where might you go? Obviously, we hit on some things we've hit, but you'd have to kind of pick a focus. Where would you focus and how would you frame it for your people? Yeah, well, I think you can probably you, you you can pull all kinds of things from this from this psalm. I think maybe one fundamental place to start out of several would be what is the Christian's proper response to God, and that of course is this kind of worship, right? and this is what worship looks like. Not just well, I'm really glad that God helped me get a good job, or I'm really glad that you know my life is thus comfortable or whatever else, but starting worship doxology for God's very character, his very nature, rather than just he's been good to me in these different ways. I think for a lot of contemporary Christians, the the idea of giving God worship, praise, adoration, thanks is oftentimes based upon what he's done to better my situation, where I think the level beneath that is worshiping God for his own sake. And we do that when we sort of sing back or pray back his nature to him. This is a good example of how somebody does that. So if you're preaching and encouraging your people on something we talk about all the time, worship, worship, well, right. how, how do you worship? What is your posture when you worship? What words do you use? What's the occasion? Well, this is a really great example of the depth of what the worship experience is in its proper object, I think. So that's, that's one way you could go. Yeah. With yeah. I mean, you're right. Actually, a sermon. I mean, if you were just to have a placeholder title, not necessarily one that would be very interesting to it, mm-hmm. but just as a placeholder, just a sermon on worship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I actually love, I title all my sermons like that. Just on, on. Like, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the old, like the like old, the old uh, titles. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, which were usually given after the fact, right? So yeah, kind of naming right. it by topic. Or they were, like, or, or they were, I don't want to give it long. away. You know, yeah. I gave a talk one time and it has like a, a little bit of a twist ending and like 
someone later asked me to do the talk somewhere else mm. and like was like putting together the materials and was like, how's this for a title? And it was like, it like gave away the, the twist. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, 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 just call it on prayer. It's yeah. a sermon on prayer. And like it has, it, it's actually a trick and it's a sermon on the Trinity, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, so it but sounds I'm like, very no, 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 don't just theme. call it on prayer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, that, that's and, great. And I wonder if on worship, because I mean, worship is something we do so often, but sort of leave under theorized uh, or under specified for our people. But of course, the form would need to match the function. So it would, it would. be a sermon that would have a worshipful tone to it. 100%. Yeah, not just, uh, you know. 100%. Yeah, but I think, you know, in, in the churches, broadly speaking, but when you're with students, you know, like we are, they use the word worship quite a bit. But again, I don't know. Means bass. Yes. <laughs> well, no, but it is. Yeah, yeah. When, they, when they say Reduced praise and worship, music, right, they're right. usually talking, sometimes they're talking mostly about a certain type of music preference. Yeah. And other times, again, going back to what I said earlier, when they think of praise and worship, it's just coming in to get a good vibe, get an emotional high or a rush or something like that. But I think this helps helps them ground what worship is. It's not about what I get out of it. It's not necessarily about me trying to feel a certain way because the lights are turned low and the music's this. And I really <laughs> love that song. And I, ooh, I felt goosebumps today. And Well, Maybe those things are fine, but ultimately what's, what's grounding that it, it can't be these other things. It's so much. It has to be. Well, Cause those things subject. come and go. Those things come and go. We might not feel those things when we ourselves are, you know, yeah. but what, what does it say? If I soar to the heavens, you are there, mm. but if I bed down in Sheol, you are there. there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, sure. When I'm feeling up to use the, you know, to play with it, yeah. of course we're like, Ooh, God showed up, you know? Ah, but what about when you're in the depths of hell? Yes. You know, hell on earth in your life. Yes. Those um, forms don't matter at the time. Yeah, and God is equally and identically present in Absolutely. that. And so, I mean, you know me, I'd say, well, you know, if the, if the little emotion helps you get there, fine, you know, but it's not the, it's the means, not the end. It, yeah, yeah, that's, it's that's not right. the object. It's not the object. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, for too many well-meaning Christians, it... They would never say this out loud, but I think it becomes the object, the way that they feel. And they, they like that feeling and they kind of go after it, where that's not quite what worship is supposed to be. Well, it's easy for you to say, man, because you felt it when you were in junior high <laughs> and you knew that God loved you. <laughs> the emotions, struggle. <laughs> the emotions are absent. I, I guess, I'm teasing you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But, I, but I'm saying, again, but that given is the, the context. Point. Once you've, you've really internalized yes. these truths, then the emotional aspect of life is recognized as simply the up and down that's right in which god is equally present it's not yes. more or less present right yeah and you just have to live a few years to figure it out <laughs> yeah you that's know? true you know because by the time you're our age you've had those highs but you've also you've had your very big low points too we both have yeah and i think recognizing that it's this same god who's with us in those places where everything seems to be flowing well and things are going well boy praise god but it's where God would, in many people's minds, seem like he's left the scene. No, he still absolutely is present there, as you said. Knowing this beforehand can help uh, remind you that during those particular moments, he knows me just as much and loves me just as much as when I'm feeling better. 
Go up to heaven, you are there. Like, go down to hell, you are there. I almost want to translate it that way just to make the point. You know what I mean? Like, because they are set in contrast, you know. Oh, yeah. If I take a wings with the dawn, or if I dwell at the end of the sea, so right, take wings with the dawn would be be the east. Mm -hmm. And then for them, the sea is to the west, Mm -hmm. right? If I dwell at the ends of the sea. Mm -hmm. So you kind of up, down, east. West, no matter where, there you are, and your your hand is on me, leading me, mm. guiding me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Darkness, night. Man, these contrasts are so powerful. Very. My dad would sometimes say, and this is probably controversial, but also obvious, that good preaching, you got to let half the room off the hook. You, you can't like a sermon that's like somehow applies to everybody is probably not actually a, a, yeah. a concrete and clear enough sermon. Mm. You know, those altar calls where you're like, well, if you're struggling with this or with this yeah. or with this, and it's like, well, I don't want to get up. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want everyone to think it was a and C. I'm just B. <laughs> <laughs> like choose your own adventure altar calls. They totally irritate me. It's like pick a lane, man. Like, cause it's hard to uh, preach in a convicting way. Yeah, I know. That's not specific. Yeah. Having said that, when we're talking about God, it applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like God-centric preaching, which in some, I mean, in spirit, all preaching is that. But I mean, in content. Hopefully so. Yeah. But, but, but some sermons are more about our response mm-hmm. and some are more about just who God is. Yes. And if this was to be one that was a little more, more about who God is mm-hmm. and the response that's called from all of us mm-hmm. equally, wherever we are, heaven, hell, east, mm-hmm. west, mm-hmm. dark, light. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this sermon invites and maybe even be, would be worth commenting on mm. the applicability to all. This yeah. is not just for the people up front who are lifting up their hands, right? <laughs> nor is this for you in the back. Go you on know, your phones. Who I'm, yeah. <laughs> or who I'm trying to, you know, convict. Right. Because some sermons are directed at, you know, even if you won't admit it, yeah. some preachers just admit it. I, I've got a target for yeah. this sermon and I've yeah. got different targets for different sermons. I think it's better to at least admit it to yourself and to your right. to your inner circle who, what this sermon's for, mm-hmm. so you have clarity of purpose. Mm. But this psalm invites, I think, something different. This yeah. psalm is not a very specific psalm; it's mm. a very general, universal, mm-hmm. yeah, psalm. Hence the, I think. Om- hence the omnis. Hence yeah. the omnis. Nice, <laughs> nice tie-in. That was yeah. great, Jonathan. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks so much for giving your time. I had a blast chatting with you. I love interpreting scripture with you. Yeah, and you too. always surprise me. I know you're going to have. Great ideas, but there's always so much heart and lived experience and insight, and I just love it. It's just great talking with you. Appreciate well, it a lot. Happy to hang out anytime. Yeah, whether we're doing a podcast or not. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, thanks to all you listeners out there. We appreciate it, and especially when you get word about the show by word of mouth. Thanks to Todd and Eric for their production work, especially Todd who does editing every week. Appreciate you so much, Canamage, and doing this show without you. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Tom for donating the theme music. And thanks to our patron saints who support the show. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can become a patron saint. With that said, have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>